This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies dish out about international food in an Irish place. <laughs> this is why we love editing Yeah, okay. in a podcast. Okay. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, May, Dee, and I, Blanca, dish about international food in an Irish context. We come in three flavors, deep dives into international cuisines, interviews with people who are impactful in the Irish food scene, and this would be today, and then we do our staple chats where we talk about a different topic from our different perspectives, and we agree to disagree many times. <laughs> today in the studio, we are uh, so honored to have Kristen Jensen from Nine Bean Rose and Blaster Books and Scoop with us. Um, hi, Kristen. Hi, Welcome everyone. to the studio. <laughs> uh, we wanted to ask you, first of all, because May loves asking people about their background <laughs> in detail. So uh, maybe write a biography and send it to May. We'll give you her address. Uh, we're going to start with your background, because a lot of people don't know about where you come from, uh, what was your childhood like. Just a quick um, introduction to your early life in America. May, I'm going to pass this over to you. Um, I was also going to ask if y the cooks in your early life were good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yep. So I grew up in America, in Illinois, about 50 miles north of Chicago, right on the Wisconsin border. So it was very suburban, <laughs> Midwest <laughs> suburban. And uh, I think the most exotic thing I ever ate was fettuccine Alfredo from the local Italian restaurant. Um, long story short, met my husband, who's also American, when I was in college, moved over here one week later, and that's how I kind of wound up in Ireland. But uh, yeah, I've actually lived in Ireland now longer than I lived in the States, so I've, I've tipped over into that like, oh, who am I? Am I Irish? You know, I am mm. a citizen. Am I, I, don't, I don't feel American anymore. I, I actually don't even include it in my bio anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, Do you I feel Irish? I, I don't think I would ever be comfortable calling myself Irish. I would never call myself Irish. But I don't. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. I imagine a lot of immigrants, especially long-term yeah. immigrants, struggle with the same question. You know, who am who I? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. I love Ireland. And I love... Uh, I identify more with Irish culture than I do with America, especially now. I kind of, I don't even read the news because it's just such a disaster. Oh, God, it's, yeah, it's horrible. But, I mean, I'm just going to go back to something that might be sweeter. It's childhood snack. Ooh, childhood. Oh, do you know what? You'll know this, May. Those Little Debbie um, what were they called? The, the, the little Debbie the cakes. Nutty. Oh no! My mom used to like them. So like describe my mom. for I'm. I yeah, don't know I what don't a Debbie know cake is. What okay, is a so Debbie little cake? Debbies are. It's like a brand, and there would be a lot of different things under this brand. It'd be like Mr. Kipling, right? Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of different little tarts and treats. But what were they called? Those there, there was like this peanut butter crispy wafer, and they came in a pack of two. Oh, that's I can't remember. But anyway, that would have been my preferred. And it's not the Debbie snack cakes. No, definitely not the snack cakes. Okay. Nutter butter? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, total junk food anyway. Oh, Nutter <laughs> butter. 
No, is that? Well, anyway. Nutter butter. Okay, so I'm just going to stop this whole thing because we will talk about this. No, forever. I love that when you sometimes, though, like you're trying to think of something you ate from home when you were a kid and you're just like trying to mull over. It's funny how we forget these things. Yeah, I have not thought of these things, for, as you can tell, for quite some time. Okay, so tell us about your uh, life when you came to Ireland, editing books. How did you get into um, editing and writing books? So that was not plan A. Uh, before I met my would-be husband, I was planning on being a teacher. Uh, but then as it happened, I got all the way up to getting accepted into the School of Education to start the specific teacher training and then realizing, oh no, this I, I think I would hate this. I had this image that it was going to be all dead poet society and I'd be teaching English <laughs> to like really enthusiastic you know kids it's like no that's <laughs> what I was gonna ask you actually what did you picture yourself teaching young kids or like high school age oh yeah yeah and then I finally realized like that is I'm, I'm gonna be lucky if I have one kid a yeah. year in one class who's like that you know I wanted to teach me the kind of student I was <laughs> yeah. you know but uh yeah so as it happened I was already trying to figure out what else to do and I just thought well I like to read books maybe I'll work in publishing. And then, of course, that was further complicated by the fact that at this point, I knew I was going to be coming to Ireland. And I couldn't teach here, even if I still wanted to, because the whole Irish language thing, you know, I even met with people uh, to, to like in Trinity College to see like, well, can I study here and get the degree? But no, it just wasn't going to work out. So publishing was very much a backup plan, you know, just like, well, maybe I can do that because I like to read books and I'm pretty good at writing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So that's what um, I landed myself in. I worked for, my first job here was working for a business publisher. So we did business books and law books, like legal oh, books. Wow. Awesome. So super dry. So dry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then after a year there, I went to, like they that publisher closed. So we all kind of scattered. Went to work for <laughs> this um what was it like this was in the days of internet stock trading oh, it was right, all okay. new and internet banking and internet credit cards it was all new so i worked for a company doing like report writing reports for them so it's like oh. they also because they were a startup and they ran out of money it's like okay now i have to then i wouldn't taught english as a second language but i found myself it's like oh i'm going down to this like businessy route that i'm really not into so did the TEFL teaching for a while and then started freelance editing. Yeah. And was that in, you were saying you did educational books mostly. Yeah. So as it happened, that's kind of where I found myself do doing textbooks and then the odd kind of general interest trade book. But it's funny looking back, textbooks and cookbooks actually have a lot in common. They're both highly structured. They're both trying to teach you something. They're both, um, you know, quite repetitive in their format. You have to be, you know, have strict word counts and parameters to follow so it, it's it's only in hindsight you're kind of going okay that wasn't a million miles removed from cookbooks but uh, it was definitely good training for what I'm doing now just in terms of project management and the multifaceted um, things that you're having to deal with behind the scenes yeah I'm just really curious actually did you have a eureka moment where you wanted to be a writer hmm so in like high school as a teenager yeah I very much was going down that creative writing path and I did a creative writing focus in my English degree and before I met my husband I wanted to do an MFA a master's of fine arts in writing met him anyway moved over here I thought it would just be for a year still was my plan to go back to the states and do an MFA but then being in the real world for like a minute you realize okay I could do an MFA but it's going to put me tens of thousands of dollars more in debt than I already am for my undergraduate and I'm not going to make 
a penny more in any job I ever get with an MFA. So that was kind of that dream, you know, put on the side. But um, yeah, so writing was always definitely something I was interested in the craft of anyway. And how did you get interested in recipe writing? Because you have been, you're a beautiful recipe writer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so that was um, my very first cookbook I ever worked on was Rachel Allen's very first book back with Gill and Macmillan. That must be about 20 years ago now. Yeah. And just, and then so I did that cookbook and then they gave me another cookbook to work on. And that coincided with me growing up. You know, I moved here like one week after graduating from college. So still, when I was at a time of figuring out how to be a grown up and, you know, cook for myself and plan the shopping and all this kind of thing. So it, it dovetailed nicely with me just getting more interested in cooking myself. And so then it just became this thing that fed into each other. The more cookbooks I was reading, the more interested I was getting in cooking, the more I cooked, the more en I enjoyed working on cookbooks. And then not just working on them, but reading them and buying them and trying different recipes. So it all it just it developed very organically, really. When you moved here to Ireland, did you fall in love with Irish cuisine and, you know, or what was that like? Was it different it, to adapt? <laughs> yeah, it was. So first of all, I would go to the grocery store sometimes and I would generally need something, but I would yeah. just walk up and down the aisles and just look at everything <laughs> because all the brands were different. Yeah. Or things like shortening in America would be called for in a lot of recipes. And it took me like a year to realize, yeah, there's just no shortening because I'd, I'd go, where is it? Where is it? You know, it's in usually in these big cans and they're shelf stable. And so it was figuring out, okay, there's just some ingredients that are not available here. Mm. And what are these new ingredients and new brand names that I've never seen before? And I don't know what these products are. And um, then also not just ingredients, but dishes and things like and, you know, a lot of them might have been British, too. Like, what's a Yorkshire pudding? Or what's what's a carvery? How does a carvery yeah, work? Yeah. Why are you having three different kinds of potatoes in one meal? <laughs> like, what? like, you're having your mashed potatoes and your chips. And then... Roast well, potatoes. Yes, there, there it is. So, so it was just all these, you know, different recipes and dishes to learn as well. And, again, it was at that really strange time of... You know, I never was a real... I always say I was never really a grown-up in America. You know, I was... Like, I grew up there and I went to college... And one week later, I moved here. So I never had, you know, I was always a student yeah. and, and that kind of bubble of a life. And so all my learning about food has been here and yet still growing up with American food and American dishes and American tastes, mm. you know. And um, so there'd be the occasional shop. There was, it's where Pichet is now. It was called the Big Cheese Company. And they sold, they were the only place I could find at the time that sold like a few American things. And it'd be, you know, this standard really weird stuff like big red chewing gum, which is the cinnamon. I gum. hated that. And I remember <laughs> that. Oh my god. But it was the novelty factor of like, oh you just buy everything at ten times the price. I love it big costs. red. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember buying it not knowing what it was and thinking oh. it was gonna be strawberry flavored. Oh, like and then looking, you're just and then you're like spice oh, going up your nose, cinnamon insult. going up your nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth. It's kind of terrible now. <laughs> Talking about American food, um, I saw recently you posted about American food and how ironic it is that all the junk food in from America is sold in high-end stores yes. in Ireland. Just tell us a little bit about that because I think, you know, you come from uh, an area of America that's kind of similar to Ireland with farms and gorgeous cheeses and dairy like, you know, the Wisconsin area. And, and I think people tend to think Americans eat marshmallow fluff. 
and only a couple do, my daughters. But anyway, <laughs> and they're not American. <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about this coming to Ireland and seeing all these American products glorified in a way. Yeah, and like the lucky charms. You lucky mean. charms. I was just gonna say yes. stovetop for ooh, ooh, like twenty dollars. <laughs> Pop tarts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, so it was this article in the New York Times. The woman who wrote it, I think she lives in the Netherlands and was just making the same point about the limited selection of American food that you'll find abroad. And it's the same here. They're obviously all coming from the same single distributor, but it's the, the worst of the food and so expensive. And so I give food walking tours with the Fab Food Trails in Dublin. I know you've told you this before, but one of the stops is often Fallon and Burn. And like, you know, it, I often have a lot. I most of my tour people attendees are American, and they're so excited to find out about Irish food. And the whole premise of those walking tours is to show Americans and tourists that there's so much more <laughs> to Irish food than meets the eye or whatever they think is, which is bacon and cabbage or corned beef and cabbage and stuff. So I'm after doing my whole spiel. I'm after selling Irish food. We're after going to Sheridan's. We're after going to Pepper Pot. We're after going to. Then we arrive at Fallon and Burn. I'm showing them all the array of all the different products in there, both Irish and obviously international because Fallon and Burn is amazing. And then I kind of quickly <laughs> just like try and go, if everyone could just walk this way and avoid not looking <laughs> over this direction. The Apple Jacks. The, they're Apple Jacks. They have a whole no, section of this American crap food. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know why this is here. <laughs> but this is not what we think American food is and I'm almost like apologizing because I'm embarrassed that that's what we're representing as American food in this fine food emporium I just don't get it it's so funny well to be fair when now I mean I, I wasn't so attuned to it when I was living there but the this you know like the, the actually like the the artisan pickles or you know the beautiful cheeses that wasn't so much a thing I'm sure oh, yeah, it yeah. existed but it wasn't a thing you know this whole food revolution was also happening in America when well probably sooner than it happened here, but yeah. this appreciation of Can I just say made. that the thing that I get homesick for and um, I hoard in my suitcase when I go back to America, Triscuits. <gasps> They're distinctive. They <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> it's a cracker. It's yeah. very... You need to bring some for D because you always talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I've never <laughs> had the them. texture of a Triscuit. Actually, that's a good question. Like, is there something that you still get homesick oh, for? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... I used to do the same thing, you know, I'd go home. I'd, I'd even save up to do all my clothes shopping because it's like, oh, but I know what stores I like and I know what brands I like. And so same thing with, oh, but I miss this food and this food and this food. And now I'm pretty much over it, except there's, there is two, no, there's three things. So one is dill pickles. Like, why can't we get dill yeah. pickles here? You know what I'm talking uh -huh. about. Uh-huh, yes. Like, oh, <laughs> just a, a good dill pickle. Why didn't Fallon Burn selling those? <laughs> Half sours and dills. Oh. Oh, so a, a dill pickle, but then <laughs> I always laugh, like American donuts. They're oh, just yeah. <laughs> different than Irish donuts. Even the fancy ones. Even the no. American Irish donut no, or Irish American, not. whatever you call the ones Krispy that are supposed Kreme. to be American. Krispy Krispy are you saying Krispy Kremes you know, are not original, no, authentic no, no. American? <laughs> I was a fiend for Krispy Kremes, but now I can get them in my own local Tesco and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. what's rare is wonderful. And, you know, when I had to go to Blanchardstown, it was like the biggest treat of the year. Now it's kind of, I'm, I'm over it. But I, I <laughs> did miss um, American donuts and American bacon because it's that <gasps> oh, yeah. super crispy. It gets so crisp. Smoky you can just crumble. And you can crumble yeah. it. Oh. Yeah, it's just. Um, I do like American bacon as well. Like, I actually overcook Irish streaky rashers to try to approximate <laughs> the American baconness. I actually Shining. remember when I first, uh, you know, was coming up to Dublin, or some of my 
first memories of coming up to Dublin when I was younger from Tipperary is kind of, you know, to go shopping or something. And I, I used to love to go to McDonald's because we didn't have those down the country, but also used to love to go to Dunkin Donuts. Oh, and they yeah. had Dunkin Donuts. And I thought that was like the epitome of American. I thought that was a representation of American. Oh, you wouldn't in be far wrong. <laughs> but like they had them, ev- there were actually times they had them everywhere. And now they're all, they're all gone, I guess. But um, yeah. Oh, no, they're I'm, not gone. They're just a Yankee thing. They're a Boston. No, I mean, sorry, from Dublin. Oh, from Dublin. They're not in Dublin anymore. Oh, okay. But they were they were everywhere made. Like they were all on Collins Street. There was some really? and every yeah, and they were big. Like yeah, so I used to come up. I used to always oh, going to get donuts for the bus home. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, I was in um, a cinema recently in town, and they have Baskin Robbins in there. Oh no! So instead of okay. like Ben and Jerry's or the whatever that used to be there, now it's Baskin Robbins, and I was like, oh my god, there's still another what I would identify as an American oh, or I would yeah. notice yeah. it from movies 31 or, you flavors know. yeah <laughs> but it's funny the, how those kind of brands team would go after winning the game they'd all go to yeah. Baskin Robbins you know. so I wonder is it that like you know there are those brands that still big American brands still come over here to I mean that's a new uh, concession in the cinema and I think you know I wonder is it thinking about what you were just saying about the American food, trash American food, and in kind of even find good stores here. Maybe it's our addiction with sugar or something mm. that they bring. You know, yeah. that we want, we crave all the things that we mm. see in movies, see in TV shows. You know, that's true, our interpretation true. or something. Plus, I also think it's probably really difficult to import fresh products or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what I was mm. thinking too. Like, oh, those you know, better, maybe more high end products. They're maybe in glass or they're you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Let's go back to writing. Oh, and okay. okay. So you've gone and set yourself up independently. And we're very curious about what made you take the plunge. Was it something that happened spontaneously or was this a gradual process? But you wanted to change the industry. You wanted to be different. So tell us about that process and tell us about the industry. For people who don't know about book publishing, what were you noticing? Okay, so to go right back to the start, I was, um, so after that hodgepodge of jobs, you know, to start with, really then ran with freelance editing. And I was doing it part-time while I was doing the TEFL teaching, and I did that for about a year. And then I just, you know, did not love that job and um, decided, you know what, I've got a few clients. I'll just try going full-time with freelancing. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll just find another job. But I remember telling, you know, the one or two clients I had at the time, oh, I'm going full-time now, so you can give me more work. And that's exactly what they did. And it's one of these cases of work gets more work, you know, so the more I was able to build up my CV, I was able to approach other publishers. So very quickly, I had plenty of work to keep me going full time. So I did that for 20 years, you know, very happily. And Um, all food? No, this was still mostly textbooks. And and you know yourself, there's just not that many cookbooks Mm -hmm. published here in Ireland. And I would do the occasional um, cookbook job for a UK publisher, but they have usually their own stable of UK freelancers that they're drawing from. So was mostly working in the textbooks. And that was great as a freelancer because like those projects will last nine months. You know, just two or three textbooks is all you need to keep you busy, you know, with more than yeah, enough yeah. work. And then a cookbook would come along and that would be just like, oh, the nice, my nice project, you know, to distract me from this science textbook or, you know, <laughs> whatever. I've done all the subjects. And that then is how it, it just eventually slowly became my niche. Yeah. And on the one hand, I was doing all this educational work, but I developed a name for myself as a cookbook editor mm-hmm. because it is there's there's a certain thing there's a certain sector of um, 
publishing like medical books or legal books that you really should have some level of expertise in to edit them, to work on them. Mm -hmm. And I believe cookbooks are very much that way. I mean, sure, you could give a cookbook to any editor and they'll correct the grammar or, you know, put it through and get it published, but they're not going to pick up on things like, did you really mean 300 grams of parsley or should that be 30? Or did you really mean to add this onion raw or did that need to be cooked and you know things like that because you actually have experience yourself so that became my niche and like I said did that for 20 years so that brings us up to the pandemic (laughs) in 2020 (laughs) and you know I'd always had I laughed and said you know if I ever won the lotto I'd set up my own publishing company and like anybody I suppose who's working for somebody else you often think oh if I was calling the shots I'd do it this way or you know, like, this is who I'd love to see get published, or, you know, why aren't these kinds of topics being talked about? So it was 2020, we were all stuck at home, and it was the summer, so my kids were off of school, (laughs) we had nowhere to go, just sitting in the back garden and walking my dogs three times a day. And so I really started thinking, okay, you know, I've plateaued as a freelancer, like, the job is the job, there's nothing you can throw at me that I haven't dealt with or worked with, you know, there's nothing I'm really learning that's fine. It's also means I'm not really ever stressed out about work, but I couldn't see myself doing it for the next 25 years. It's like, oh, it's just got a little boring, got a little stale. And I still harbored these, you know, daydreams of starting my own publishing company. So sitting around all summer, just thinking, okay, well, why not? And didn't win the lotto, didn't have. (laughs) I was going to ask. Sadly, (laughs) but what I did know was possible was Kickstarter or there's other platforms you know crowdfunding basically and now what I did with Blasta Books had uh, models that had already been done you know that I was taking inspiration from some of which had even been also funded on Kickstarter just seems more of a an American thing more popular in America as a route to get funding than it does here so anyway um, this was also the summer where the Black Lives Matters protests were happening in America and what was what I saw happening was the ripple effects of that was talking about representation mm-hmm. and who gets seen, whose voices are heard, whose stories are told. That then trickled down to food media and food writing, whose recipes are being published, whose cuisines are being published, and who's writing those recipes. So th- I saw these conversations happening in the U.S. and then the U.K., but they weren't happening here in Ireland. So all of that was kind of going around in my head. And I felt very strongly because I was then really quite immersed in the food world here. And, Mm. you know, that was not my hobby exactly, but it was my little, you know, my little world, Mm. my little niche. And there were so many people here who I knew were doing brilliant things, were amazing cooks, had stories and fantastic recipes and just weren't getting a chance to get published. So all of that got thrown into the mix. And I came up with the idea of Blasta Books that... The, uh, it would be a small book and it would be a quarterly series and it would be illustrated. So these were all ways to do it cheaply because, again, no lot of money <laughs> as a safety <laughs> net. And, but it would also make the book cheaper to buy. So instead of being 35, 40 euros for a cookbook, mm. it would be 15. So I always think of it, it's, it's the price of three coffees, you know, and mm-hmm. yet you've got this book. And hopefully it will give you more scope to, be cre- uh, to take some chances. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to going, oh, I don't really want to part with 40 euros for this book. I'm not sure I'm going to like. And the fact that it's a series 
more people buy all four than buy just individual books. So I, th- I think that's great. That gives mm. me an opportunity. I can push who I'm publishing because people are more receptive to trying it because they're just getting the whole series. So that's very quick. <laughs> did, you, did you realize that when you did this, I mean, maybe you had hoped it would, but that it would have this kind of, you know, big splash that it has had here with ripple effects through, you know, so many different kind of, I definitely think I can see the effects your books have had through Irish media and and people's perception. And it started those discussions. Maybe it was around that time as well. But I, I really feel that, you know, you're you're known now maybe a little bit. I know you're at you presented at Food on the Edge last year, which was the disrupt disruptor and disruption and regeneration was mm-hmm. the theme. And you were like, I'm a disruptor. I'm going to do this, you know, <laughs> but your regeneration as well, because you're it was something new or you're new, breathing new life into um, maybe food writing here. Did you did you think that it would have such a, a big impact as it has had? No, I, I mean, I didn't because. Again, I was just one person who for years had been feeling this way. And I had no idea if it was going to resonate with anybody else. And the fact that the Kickstarter was so successful and people just immediately got it and immediately got the whole ethos behind it. It's like, yes, yes, we need more voices. We need more exposure for more types of food and more stories. It was so validating and encouraging it's like okay it wasn't just me that like there is an appetite well, it was for like this. a chorus of voices came <laughs> out in encouragement and your kickstarter was like in a few days it was done wasn't it yeah. so like you'd reached your target so it was amazing and then you went over over yeah. above and beyond yeah. so i think that support was there and from my perspective i mean you know i saw it come out and, and it was just so exciting and then because you know we're both members and so is mm-hmm. my, of the Food Writers Guild and but all of us um, are, you know, part of the food community here. And I suppose, you know, heard people talking about them and see, heard people supporting them being like, oh, my God, it's such a great idea. And, you know, and also we all know that there are so and like it's like what we do in Spice Bags. We're trying to tap into communities, into people that we know that we love. We're trying to connect with people and just give voice, you know, to these amazing people and what they're doing and I think you really kind of did that as well so it was, there was a lot of that going on but you really kind of I think did it maybe first and biggest <laughs> splash so that everyone else was like yes we're all you know well, it felt like I felt like we were part of this movement I I've always said you know one of the things I wanted to do and maybe it's because I'm an immigrant and you know Blanc and May you you might feel the same way I was just I also was very frustrated with the perception of Irish food, not only abroad. It's like, oh, it's all corned beef and cabbage and potatoes and Guinness and overboiled. And, you know, who knows what? It wasn't ever flattering. So part of this whole like knowing that there was all these people who had great recipes and stories to tell was also going what's being published and not just in books, you know, magazine columns, newspaper columns, the TV shows. It's not reflecting Ireland. Like, mm. Ireland is so diverse. And, you know, go down, and it's not just Cable Street. Like, walk down any street, and there's so much diversity, and it's, it was just not being reflected anywhere. So I was very frustrated with this, this old, stale story of, of Irish food. And so one of the things I wanted to do with Blasta Books and then now Nine Bean Rose and Scoop is move the needle forward on Irish food. So the fact that, you know, thinking that it has sparked conversations or a change... I'm delighted because, as far as I'm concerned, the rising tide lifts all boats. So if the success of Blasta Books means one of the bigger publishers now will be just that little bit more open to publishing something that they wouldn't have a couple years ago, then that's a win. That's that's a win for everybody. And so I'm I'm happy to 
be a part of that. Yeah. I think this is somewhat related, but um, I just want to talk to you about sort of the nuts and bolts of you mm. deciding to go with Lily Ramirez, um, someone who we are very fond of and who has been a guest on Spice Bags. Um, what made you choose her? How did that work? You know, um, the idea, you know, just can you just give us like the practicalities in certain ways? Okay, well, Lily was a special case because she was one of those people. So I've known Lily for years. And I knew that, well, it's a good few years ago now, that she had actively tried to get a book deal and she had an agent, you know, she and she was doing everything right. She has a shop. She was on TV. She does like festival demos. She's on the radio. She she was doing everything that you're told to do. And she just got nowhere. Mm. And her recipes are amazing. She's had mm. a blog for many years. And I would just see her posting on her own social media like she will test something five times until she's happy with it before she puts that on her blog. Mm. So I knew, and like I have been cooking from her blog, her pork pibble, which is in yeah. her book, is to this day, it's one of my favorite recipes, just full stop. You know, I crave I, I'm, it. I'm always, I'm always surprised that Alan, her husband, is not fatter than he is because she tests <laughs> so her recipes so many times. <laughs> so he's kind of like a little weed. Yeah. But um, so knowing her story, she, she was kind of like the epitome of everything I've been talking yeah. about. It's, you know, and she was told like, oh, it's, t you know, Mexican food. It's too niche. And, uh, you know, all you this. don't have 100,000 followers oh, on Instagram exactly, or wherever. Exactly. Yeah. You know, which is we could talk about that if you want to. Yeah. I, have, I have strong opinions about the social media metric. And I always said, if I ever had my own publishing company, she's the first person I would publish. Oh, so oh. she was already, she was already on yeah. the list. Yeah, so that's... Um, and Tacos was the first boss of yep. books for anyone who is listening and hasn't. I mean, if anyone here is listening, you should have a copy of Tacos plus all of them. But yeah, Tacos was the first. Yeah, so that um, is how Lily came on board. And then it was just thinking, okay, I'll... There was a question like, do I do it quarterly? Do I do six books a year? And it's like, okay, six is maybe a lot. You know, so I'll start with four anyway. And then was just thinking, okay, how can I have a balanced series? And, you know, drawing on people I already knew, people I didn't know. Like, for example, I didn't know Kwanji or Jess Murphy or Owen Klusky at all. I'd never met them. I'd, you know, I knew who they were, of course, you know, yeah. but uh, so I it was, it was a complete cold call, you know, just saying, hey, I'm doing this project because at this point, nobody knew about it. It was before the Kickstarter launched. Of course. Like, yeah. this is my idea. It's going to be on Kickstarter. You know, are you interested? And uh, so year one was very much me reaching out to all those people because, again, like nobody knew about it happening. But then year two, as you guys know yourself, it, it's been more of a mix of people approaching me now with their ideas and then me also going out specifically contacting people I can't believe we've been talking for this length of time we <laughs> haven't mentioned soup like yes guys we are number five in the Blaster book series which is when this podcast comes out will have been published <laughs> and can I just say how nerve-wracking it was D is uh, Miss Pitch D is somebody who's so motivated and has a vision and she's like we should go for this and May and I are more like <laughs> like oh we don't want to be rejected especially May doesn't want to be rejected like her I think it's your Chinese side my Spanish side we're like but I don't think that's gonna work but Dee. what if Kristen doesn't love yeah. us <laughs> and Dee was like we're doing this and uh, we talked to some food writers I had a friend in the UK Celia Brooks Brown like so some people kind of said do it do it but it was nerve-wracking. And when we got an email from Kristen saying yes, we were just like, oh, wow. Like, Dee's always, 
like 90%, right? <laughs> so it was just like, that. oh, God, like 90% is quite high. Yeah. But anyway, it was. <laughs> and what I wanted to know is you must be getting a lot of proposals or not. Mm. I don't know. Like, Well, it's a mix. So first of all, I had no idea about that whole backstory and the nerves because as so I don't even think I finished reading the email. And I was like, yes, because <laughs> <laughs> I think Spice Bags and Blastabook, we're doing the same exact thing. We're, we have the same message. It's just you're a podcast and I'm books. We're yeah. in the same lane. So it was a no brainer to me that, you know, as soon as I saw that you wanted to do something, it's like, I'm in, you know. Yeah. So uh, but it is, it is definitely I do get not as many as you might think. Um but it is, you know, I can't say yes to everything, which is really, really hard. Not be only because I'm such a people pleaser kind of person, which Dee knows. <laughs> You're from the Midwest. I know. Yes, I'm too nice. <laughs> it's can so I also, true. Can I also just give a shout out to um, Nikki Hooper? Mm, and yeah. I want to ask you, like, what was the decision to go with illustrations rather than photographs? Oh, budget. So, yeah, Sorry. budget. <laughs> well, budget, but also differentiation yeah you know that um and it's been interesting maybe i'm just more conscious of it but i do see more illustrated mm -hmm. books and cookbooks now definitely and but nikki was another one i'd never met nikki i just found her work through instagram so oh, sent wow. her a dm oh, one day okay. going you know i've got this project you know would you be interested in chatting about it and she was on board straight away and it's been wonderful and you know we've become friends and it's it's just she's a wonderful yeah. person and her i mean in soup I know for us anyway, it's just to see our the recipes, I don't say our recipes as their contributors' recipes, but recipes being brought to life that we've tested and tried or, you know, photographs we've taken and just see how she's interpreted that. It's just such a wonderful process and just beautiful. And then, of course, Jane Matthews doing the design. I mean, it's just such a wonderful design. I think one of the funny things that you and I, I mean, I know from chatting is that Blasta books being so colorful <laughs> and bright and everything is so not you, yeah. right? The people might not yeah. think might think that Kristen is maybe like Nikki in terms of like color and blah, but you would have gone for something completely different. Yeah, and even now I think about it, it's like why did I do that? <laughs> it's not my own personal style, and people love it, and I get so much great feedback about the covers and how colorful they are and poppy, and. I, I don't know. I actually don't know why I did that. But I did the same thing with Scoop, as you'll know, Dee. It's like, yeah, I would have gone for something much more restrained, even though that is what we agreed to go for. So maybe I'm even just pushing myself out of my own comfort zone. To, I don't know. I don't know. But the great thing about Nikki is she's kind of like what I was saying before about, you know, specialist editors. Nikki is really into food and it shows. And yeah. she's able to actually bring so much to the project. So what happens is... Once I've got all the edited text and I have it roughly um, laid out so we know exactly what space we have available for what illustrations, I'll go to Nikki's studio in Dublin and we sit down and plan and brainstorm like, okay, well, what if we had you know such and such here or what if such and such there? And she's able to bring so much to like, and we'll do that. And that's, that's very just general. But then once she goes off and does her research, she has so many great ideas and little touches that she adds to things because she has that food knowledge, because she's into it as well. Um, so, guys, I'm just going to interrupt for a second. Um, we have to talk about a brand new podcast to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, it is called Something Strange and it is hosted by 
Dennis Murphy. And Something Strange is about tales of the weird and unexplained. I think, May, you, this is definitely... I think this is just a you and me podcast. You and me podcast. <laughs> so, um, guys, that is starting on the Headstuff Podcast Network right now. And, of course, you know, you can support that podcast and us by uh, becoming a member of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And you can go on the website and it's five euros a month and that gives you access to everything all the shows any kind of extra bonus material and stuff like that it really means a lot to us as a community and it does help all new and existing podcasts so we really appreciate that you can check that out at headstuffpodcast.com Kristen I have one last question which is what advice do you have for aspiring food writers food photographers food editors Ooh. I suppose get yourself out there. Don't be afraid to pitch or to like, I've actually had probably just as many freelance editors sending me their CVs, you know, just saying if you have availability or need some help, you know, I'd love to work with you someday. And it's just doing the work. And it's, it's a tricky situation here in Ireland specifically, because on the one hand, we are a small market, you know, so like I was saying before, nobody can say yes to everything and on the other hand there's there's so much great material out there so like, like for example what i say for writers on the blasta books if you go to the submissions page i kind of say what i'm looking for it's like you could be you know you could have a food truck or a cafe or a restaurant or you could just have a great idea you know you don't have to have a, a platform to that you yourself can even like sell the book at your establishment I'm looking for a story first and foremost and a strong idea and now that we're five books into the Blasta series you can see that each book has one single theme so you guys it's soup for Lily it was tacos for Jess and Owen it was cookies uh, for Kwanji Kwanji is actually the most broad I suppose yeah. it's, it's more you know kind of his Chinese fusion food and then for Patrick and Russell with book number two hot fat it's all deep fried but so I'm looking for a single strong idea topic theme about two dozen recipes, but that also means there is no room to hide. So every single one of those recipes has to be killer. I like to say all killer, no filler. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes in big cookbooks, you can kind of tell the recipes where it's like, oh, I need a hundred. So uh, just yeah, throw this some there's, in, yeah. you know. Um, and tell us about the three others following us this year, because you've got a great lineup for the second se series. Is that what we're yeah, so, series? Yeah, yeah, series. So, I'm, so you guys are first out of the gates with soup. Uh, number six is Tapas by Vanessa Murphy and Anna Cabrera from Las Tapas de Lola. That one's great because it's going to coincide with their 10-year anniversary. Of oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So that is uh, really great timing. Book number seven is Wasted by Connor Spacey, and that's all about food waste. And he's got these, it's really clever. He's got like these closed loops, groups of recipes where it's like, okay, I'm going to take the whey from this bread and use it over here. And um, oh, that one's really cool. I'm working on that one at the minute. And then the last one this year is Maserap by Richie Castillo and Alex O'Neill from Bahe. And that the funny, um, cute story about that is Maserap is the same as Blasta. They both mean tasty. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so that's a, it's a really great nod. And so that's going to be all Filipino food. And just, oh, I've yeah. gotten their sample recipes. And oh, I think insane. everyone's excited about that one so as well. Yeah. Good. It's, amazing so that's this year and would you believe i already have two books officially signed for next year wow and 
I'm in talks with a third, and I've I've got a fourth in mind who Brilliant. I get to reach out to. Well, as so. we know, the line the <laughs> deadlines are like usually mid this year ahead, so you work exactly. like a lot ahead. So people need to be exactly working on it. People probably I think sometimes when you're not in publishing or an, in any form, magazine or book, you just think like these things our products are made like a month beforehand but like <laughs> it could be like a year or two out right exactly so i mean like i said the, the the last book which is coming out in october the end of october they're submitting their manuscript next week yeah and it, that's going into the process where i edit it you know we illustrate mm -hmm. it. it yeah it does take time so even now when people approach me i'd like well i'd love this but it might be 2025 it's like i know that sounds like a million years from now but really is pretty standard, you know, par for the course in publishing yeah. from idea to the book is sitting on a shelf ready to buy. And tell us a little bit about like, so um, I mean, I'm going to mention Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm the editor of Scoop magazine, which Kristen and I founded together um, and it's published under Nine Bean Rose. And the second issue is coming out in April, which we have very much started working on commissioning already on that. Um, and we will have our third issue out in October. So mm -hmm. we're really excited about that. But tell me a little bit about the book publishing side. What have you? So last year you've had an amazing year. I mean, uh, whatever about Blasted Books, but also, you know, Bake and and for Mains as well, mm -hmm. which uh, was different because they came to you and you published it. But it, they had already got it kind of to mm -hmm. a point, whereas Bake was your first real from scratch yeah, cookbook. Um, and you've won so many awards all year. Is there any awards that you haven't won? Maybe yeah, we should I mean, cut it short. Yeah, or no, <laughs> maybe or that's nominated for you've done so well. For, it's been a trailblazing year. But what what's happening next, like this year, with with the other books, with cookbooks? What what have you got lined up? Ooh, okay, I will tell you. Ooh. you're getting the scoop. <gasps> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and especially by the time this podcast airs, hopefully these things will be up and ready for pre-order. Amazing. So the Nine Bean Rose is the more, like I call them the big books. So yeah. Blast books are the small, short, illustrated books. Nine Bean Rose is the more traditional, uh, bigger photography, like, you know, the, whole, the yeah. whole thing, cookbooks. So on the Nine Bean Rose sides, I've got a book coming out uh, in March. It's going to be called The Gathered Table. And that is compiled by Gather and Gather Ireland, in aid of Peter McVeary Trust. So we've gotten recipes from 55 contributors all across the food sector. So not just chefs. We've got farmers, food producers, bakers, butchers, shopkeepers, nice. food champions, chefs. So it's, it's all sectors who have all submitted their favorite recipes to cook at home. And like I said, all proceeds of that book are going to be going to Peter McVeary Trust, which this year is celebrating its, well, I'm not sure celebrating is the right word, but it, their 40th yeah. uh, anniversary. And then I've got two books lined up for the autumn, which, you know, more on those in due course. Yeah. But uh, one of them has just kind of come my way very, very recently. So just like was not in the mix at all. Yeah. But, you know, I, I grabbed it and I'm running with it. They're both going to be really fun. Both completely unlike each other. So that's four books for Nine Bean Rose Amazing. this year. And, you know, the four Blasta books, the two issues of Scoop, which yeah. is so much fun to work on. So much fun. <laughs> and I mean, do you, you know, so here you are. Look, listen to that. I mean, I'm just so proud to be part of part of that. But also, and I mean, we're so proud to be part of Blasta Books. But, you know, from this, oh, I want to start my publishing company, as you've just told <laughs> us, you know, one day to a fully fledgling publishing business. Um. You know, I is it everything you dream so far in terms of, you know, 
did you think that this is where you would be right now? God, no, I would never have assumed. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's totally not what I thought it would be. And in fact, I had just had dinner last week with another friend who is in a similar role. She's the publisher of, of an imprint, a new imprint here in Ireland. And we were kind of laughing slash commiserating with each other. It's like, oh, the things you don't think you're going to have to spend your time doing, like researching the stuffing that you put into boxes when you want to send out like a gift pack and oh, yeah. you know just like totally not related to books or you know I'm dealing with e-commerce fulfillment stuff and it, it's all yeah. the nitty-gritty business things that I just didn't think through I was like oh this is gonna be great I'm gonna be like the legendary editor Judith Jones sitting at my kitchen table with <laughs> working side by side <laughs> with authors and that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but um, no, that's definitely my favorite part is the working with the text and the authors and yeah. developing, you know, the relationships, all the other stuff. It's kind of like, oh, I just have to do it. But, you know, my husband will say to me in the morning, like, what have you got going on today? And I go, I don't know. You know it's, it's like whatever the email throws up at me. And, you know, it's a lot mm -hmm. of firefighting because it is just me still at yeah. the moment. You know, I'm still very much in the startup phase so um so i can do everything you know but literally if you buy a book from my website it's me taking it to the post <laughs> office putting it in an envelope you know the, yeah the whole thing so uh but but that's also part of the fun yeah. and i mean i said before i was sitting in front of a computer all day every day as a freelancer getting bored i am certainly not bored anymore <laughs> it's yeah every day i'm learning something new which was it's all part of the adventure talking about startups your business is very diversified i would say you're basically hitting all these different markets and and demands that that the irish market needs so the irish food that you know at, at least to foreigners it always seems like why are irish people not showing off their produce and their recipes more and and then you're doing you know the diversity and then you're doing you know also more chef or more baker or more you know more mainstream um was this planned or is it, did this just happen, um, the hmm. diversification? But it is very interesting that you've managed to do this. And not a lot of publishers seem to hit those three things. A lot of them hit the diet. <laughs> you know, you're very, you're, you, I know you didn't like the dieting books, but it seemed there were a lot of, th there was a lot of focus on that type of cookbook. Yeah. Okay. So that was, so what happened was, so Blasta Books is definitely where it all began. And okay. I remember, so still during that summer of 2020, and our big splurge was a ping pong table, <laughs> an outdoor ping pong table, because again, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. So me and my husband would be playing ping pong in the garden every, you know, evening. And I just remember, you know, talking through Blasta books, you know, just kind of talking, thinking out loud. And I remember one night saying, you know, what else is great about this is that once these authors have proven themselves, with a Blasta book, then, you know, it'll open the doors for getting the big books and people being, you know, not so nervous about taking a chance. And then I realized, wait a minute, why would I do that? Why would I hand off the author that I took the chance on to another publisher mm. who turned them down in the first place? So that's where Nine Bean Rose came from. It was definitely not what I set out to do, but it was to create a pathway. Well, originally it was intended as a pathway for Blasta books to become the second book would become the big book. Now, as you said before, Dee, like the way the publishing process works, there have been, you know, these first two years of books have kind of leapfrogged. You know, yeah. they, they haven't come up as a Blasta author and then gotten the big book. They've gone straight in with a big book for, you know, all sorts of reasons. But then, so that was great. And, but then I thought, 
as a reader of magazines from other countries like Cherry Bomb or Noble Rot, it's like I really wish there was something like this for Ireland. You know, these are interesting, but there's a certain extent to, oh, but I don't know these people. I can't buy from their businesses or go to their restaurants. You know, there's a, a not such an opportunity for connection. And so that's where Scoop came from. And Enter I just my thought, other pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pitch, so pitch, 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 pitch. <laughs> hey, don't ask, don't get. <laughs> but um, I very much saw them as three pillars of the company and that they really complement each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think of them as necessarily being for different markets. I think they're all talking to the same market of people, yeah. which is, and this is what I've said too, you talk to the mainstream, or not the mainstream, or the big publishers, and they would consider what I'm doing is very niche. But from the outset, it's like, but that, that's what I want. I don't want to be for everybody. I want to be specifically for the people who enjoy cooking, who want to spend time in the kitchen, mm-hmm. who enjoy going and seeking out these ingredients, who enjoy you know reading about food, going to restaurants, you know, the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing. So yeah. it's specifically about, I'm not trying to convince anybody you know, with a 15-minute meal or, <laughs> <laughs> some, or you know, o- other kinds of <laughs> books. But look, at that's the great thing. There's room for everybody. And this is, you, you can call it a niche, but I think it's, it's a pretty big niche. You know, people who love food, there's a lot of us out there. <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, we're definitely going to have to wrap it up there. Um, Kristen Jensen, um, ninebeanrose.com, books.com, mm-hmm. uh, scoopfoodmag.com. Uh, blastabooks.com and you can find yourself of course on Instagram as well and Twitter so make sure and give Kristen a follow go out there and seek her publications and we're excited to uh, be part of that and soup soup (laughs) soup is they're so close Um, soup is on sale now and when you're listening to this it will be we are so proud of it we put so much work and passion into it and thank you so much to our Uh, contributors because we collected recipes from people that we knew people were connected with people we've interviewed on spice bags and it's their recipes that we've tested and tried and are presenting to you in this in this cookbook so we hope you enjoyed them please let us know which ones are your favorites we're dying to hear Um, you can find us at spicebags.ie and on instagram twitter and facebook at spicebagspod thank you so much for listening This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.